It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Alec trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Feather back over to Manny, splits the defense, his shot, he scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington, on collision, VL, centering feed, they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda. Nick Nolenberger here, joined alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. Goldie, what's going on? Not much. I think we, uh, this has been a while, so we apologize to anybody who's listening. I think it's been a couple weeks. two weeks since yeah. we hopped on, but um, you know, we've, we've talked about it before where the schedule gets busy and, and there's travel and things like that. And then of course, you know, we just had our biggest home stretch of the season, so um I think we talked about it. it just made more sense to kind of push things until it slowed down a little bit. We were able to collect, regather, recuperate, whatever it may be, recharge and kind of come in and, and you know, close out this season with weekly shows. But we had that little stretch where it was tough. I know we were traveling for a bit and then that homestand. So uh, back on a regular schedule, we hope. I know we're hoping to put these out on Tuesdays, but obviously yesterday we had a game. So this is coming out today on Wednesday, the 11th. But our, our goal is to continue putting these out on Tuesdays, yeah, we'll with probably, the exception of maybe next week. Cause yeah, next probably week next Wednesday on Tuesday, so. as well. So we'll yeah. play another Tuesday. So, um, Hey, it's nice to come back and start podcasting when the team's playing well, playing their best hockey. this playing, season. There's no doubt. It's the best hockey we've seen them play all year. And things are starting to come together in the fashion that we thought maybe would have happened earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought this was going to be a good hockey team. We thought it was a playoff team. Hasn't been, um, that type of season. And but, it's not that it's, and I think, you know, preface that with it. It's not that it's not a good hockey team. This nope. is a good hockey yep. team. It's just consistency has yep. been the struggle all yep. year. And there's, you know, the small areas you try to win all three phases of the game where yep. it's offense, defense, and your, your special teams. Special teams has been inconsistent and you've had some lapses offensively defensively injuries have been a problem so a lot yep. of different factors that get worked in but it's not like we got a, a, a terrible squad nope. here we got nope. a very good team very talented team and that's why you come you come into the locker room every single day and you know the attitude is moods good great. moods great and i think if you had a an untalented team that was at the bottom of the standings the attitude would be a lot different mm-hmm. you know people start I, I think people start sabotaging people the attitude's bad guys don't want to be at the rink guys don't want to be playing games that's not the case at all so um big win last night a 7-4 win over a Stockton team that the Barracuda had yet to find a way to beat coming into the game 0-7-1-1 going into last night's game talking about special teams talking about the three phases of the game well they gave up a power play goal late in the first period and he thought oh no here we go again, mm-hmm. right? Um, you take a late penalty, you give up a late power play goal, you're down by a goal going into the intermission. But then all of a sudden, whatever happened during the first intermission, something happened because the team came out of the gates on fire. On they both scored. sides, really. I mean, yeah. Six goals scored yeah, in that six second total period. goals in the period. First three, um, find the back of the net off a of Barracuda stick. So all of a sudden, you've got a 4-2 lead. Then Stockton, like they've been against San Jose particular this season, 
very pesky, hard to put away. Mm-hmm. They score a goal, get back within one. And the Barracuda score again, go back up by two, only to see Stockton score the less than 40 seconds later to get back within a goal. So then you go into the third period, tied at 5-4. Things are, are kind of up in, in the air on who's going to take the game. And then with about five minutes remaining, just under, Luke Oshardil scores again, pretty much seals the game. Jaden Holbwok scores less than 30 seconds after that point. And we got a 7-4 lead and you cruise to the victory. So points now in six straight games. Um, again, the team playing some of its best hockey of the year. Um, I want to say it's uh, wins in four of the last five. Points in six straight, I think. Um, points in six straight. That's exactly right. I believe uh, points now in 11 of the last 13, 10 of the last 12, uh, something like that. I'll have to look at my notes. But um, over the last essentially month, this is the best stretch of hockey we've seen um, this team put together. And, you know, I asked co-coach Michael Chason before the game yesterday, I said, has this stretch been more of a factor of pucks kind of bouncing your way? things going your way it hadn't been going there really throughout the year I mean things uh you'd see one or two plays in a game that really were the difference and it just wasn't going your way and he said in part but also the fact that you know guys are continually digesting information guys are getting more comfortable um guys are playing the right way guys are getting inside um there isn't lapses in focus as the game continues on if you look at the numbers the Barracuda kind of taper off as the game continues on um it hasn't necessarily been the case. They, they've been able to continue to stay focused and continue to put the pedal to the metal and, and are putting 60 minute efforts together that are resulting in, you know, wins and, and points. So um, it's been a fun little stretch. That's for sure. Yeah. No, last, I think last night was a great game for a lot of reasons, obviously to keep that momentum rolling where you're playing well, but you also had a game, uh, you know, you're, you're beating Stockton who you hadn't beaten in nine games prior this year. But the biggest thing for me is you got, the, the contributions you got in the game last night. You've got guys like Jaden Hobgawax, who now leads the team in goals. Max Latunov picks up a couple of assists. He continues to lead the team in points. First guy to hit, I think it's 40, is what I yep, saw on exactly. the year for us. Um, Johnny Brodzinski stays red hot uh, here in the month of March. But then you got guys who you've kind of been waiting on to contribute a little bit more. Your Danilia Tykin had three points. Lukas Rodillo had a four-point game. Uh, Ivan Djokovic found the back of the net. These are the guys who you have been hoping all year would kind of be able to come in and, and, and help uh, supplement some of that offense and for whatever reason hasn't really been there you got guys like your Tykin who might be trying to get a little bit more accustomed to the North American game Djokovic's first full year playing professionally Radil's been a bit up and down didn't play a whole lot to start of the year and trying to find his legs a bit but it's nice to see those guys contribute because we know what Johnny Brodzinski and Jaden Hobgawax and Max Latunov and, and Joachim Blickfeld we know what all those guys can do when you get the the help from the guys who haven't been there really all year, that's when we're starting to see more and more success. In those games where we have one, we have one big and one handedly, those are the guys who have stepped up most, I think. Yeah, everybody was pulling the rope last night. You had five different skaters with multiple points. Keith Middleton gets a couple points, his mm-hmm. first multi-point effort of the year. Luke Ostradio, four points. Daniel, you're taking three points. So really, really encouraging sign to see. And for your taking, as I alluded to a little bit on the broadcast last night, you know, there's some major adjustments that have to be had when you come over from Europe. You're adjusting to the culture, to the language, to the size of the rink. And he started up top in the NHL. So you get a taste of the National Hockey League. And then you come back down to the AHL and you're adjusting now to a different league and a different set of teammates. And again, 
the language barrier has been a major factor for a guy whose English has gotten yeah, better. And it's like it's, but was almost non-existent before. You see his game mm-hmm. starting to elevate, right, as this season has continued along, especially over the last, I'd say, three weeks. He is a different player than what we saw in the three months prior. Yeah, it's like, I mean, they say it in baseball, right? You get a, got a lot of guys who don't speak English. You know, baseball is kind of a universal language. Everybody gets in same situation in hockey where it is a bit universal and hockey is kind of the same language wherever you're at. But that not being able to speak English barrier was definitely something that got in the way, I think, at the beginning of the year and, and may have, I don't know if it really stunted development, but it definitely got in the way and hampered it a little bit because um, English has gotten, I mean, it's still not great, but it has gotten better. I, when he first got here, it was yes, no, thank you. And that was really it. Um, now he's gotten a little bit better. Um, I think it certainly helps having guys like Max Latunov, Nikolai Kanishov, Sasha Shemilevsky, Ivan Chakovich, all those other guys around who their English is all pretty good. Um, that certainly helps. But I think that to me, I mean, you talk adjusting to the, the rink size, that's always a, a thing for these guys who come over and play in North America. For me, I think the biggest thing for him was just learning the language so he could understand what everybody's trying to tell him if he needs to fix things in his game you know it makes it a little bit easier if you if you can understand it as it's coming right out of somebody's mouth as opposed to having it go through a translator and things like that so um he definitely is getting more and more comfortable he's healthy i think that's a big part of his game too i think he's uh, i've noticed too he's adjusting physically as well mm-hmm. because he's still a really young guy i think there's some some growth he can have from a physical standpoint in terms of adding on weight adding muscle but with the smaller surface all of a sudden everything's congested the places you want to go in front of the net takes a you know a beating yeah. to go there and when you're playing overseas i think with more space you're able to stay on the perimeter yeah. you can have offensive can success with without really having to go in there and, and you know take the physical abuse so um that takes a little bit to get adjusted to as well and you've seen him kind of gradually takes step after step um and getting more and more comfortable so certainly an encouraging sign so the barracuda uh, just kicking off a three-game road trip after a six-game homestand picked up points in all but one game during the homestand which was um, and a very encouraging sign as well. And now we'll continue along to Southern California. So make your way down the California coast. You got San Diego on Friday, Ontario on Saturday. And, you know, this train just keeps on rolling as we're in the final full month of the regular season and just four more home games um, on the regular season docket. So, yeah. you know. It's it's crazy. The, the season's going to come up and, and it's going to end very, very quickly, especially with only four home games left. It doesn't... Uh, they always this end of the season always seems to go by a little bit quicker than the rest of it. I don't I don't know why that is, but um, definitely something to to look forward to. The team like we've said, the team's playing their best hockey of the year right now. We're you know it's it's still a long ways away, but we're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. The only thing we're eliminated from is is winning the Western Conference as of right now. So um, I, who knows? We've seen obviously crazy, crazy things happen, but. Um, team keeps playing hockey the way they are right now is it possible that they could sneak in and, and steal a spot I, who knows maybe i don't i think we can rule it out because given what happened a couple of years ago but um certainly a possibility i mean looking at the standings right now we're only one point behind uh behind bakersfield for was it sixth place in our division we got a game in hand so um we're gonna play those guys a couple times we got san diego ontario so the three teams we're chasing we're gonna see so 
Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going to yeah. happen? We'll see down the final stretch. Well, we have a great interview on tap. We'll play the first part of it um, with Johnny Brodzinski, and then we'll play the second part next week. So without further ado, let's throw it to that conversation with Barracuda Ford, Johnny Brodzinski. <laughs> So welcome back. We're pleased to be joined by Barracuda forward Johnny Brodzinski. Brods, first of all, appreciate you jumping on the on the podcast. Of course. Um, you know, we're going to be playing this a little bit down the road, but the date is March 11th, and you are on what we call a good old heater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago, and you were saying um, how things just weren't going your way. You're hitting a lot of posts, um, but often uh, as it goes when you finally get one, things open up for you, and that's been the case. You've got six goals over your last five games. It's got to be a fun little stretch for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something that has happened, uh, you know, just one time either. This has happened many times in my career where it's <clears throat> you go on little streaks of, you know, ten games, eight, nine, ten games that you don't score and you feel like nothing's gonna ever go your way again, and then you get one, and then all of a sudden uh, the ice starts opening up a little bit, and you're. Uh, kind of got the weight off your shoulders and then pucks just start finding the back of the net. Do you feel like in a situation like that, are you pressing, are you shooting more pucks? Or do you feel almost more reluctant to shoot the puck? Um, I think I just try to shoot more. That's kind of uh, that's the only way to get out of those things is, uh, you know, when you're passing up opportunities um, as a shooter, as a goal scorer, that's kind of uh, the way to not get out of it. So you, uh, you just try and shoot as much as you can and those little opportunities just uh, stay in front of the net and just, you know, hopefully one banks in off you and then all of a sudden the floodgates open. You know, it's, I'm sure it's been a, a bit of a transition for you. You know, you're drafted by LA, you spent your first four seasons of your pro career within that organization. And now all of a sudden you're essentially in a rival organization, meeting new teammates, adjusting to kind of a new culture. Um, you know, we're nearing the conclusion of your first year here. Um, just give us kind of a synopsis on, on that transition. I'm sure it was a big adjustment at the start, but you seem, you know, pretty comfortable at this point and uh, everything's kind of status quo for you. Yeah, it's... Uh uh, it was definitely a little weird coming into this year, you know, not being with L.A., but um, I think that's just uh, how the career goes. There's a lot of guys that play for, you know, eight, nine, ten teams before they're done with their, their career. So I knew it was coming at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just came in right away, just tried to meet meet as many guys as I could right away and uh, kind of get familiar with the organization. Uh, I think that's probably the main thing right away is just the comfortability as soon as you feel comfortable, I feel like you can just, you know, go out there and play your game. And uh, as long as you know the systems and kind of what the coaches want from you, it's uh, it's it's easy from there. You just uh, the hockey takes over. What was the decision process like as you're, you know, going through free agency, trying to find a place to sign, and ultimately choosing San Jose? Uh, well, LA talked to me right away. They just said that they weren't interested in re-signing. So right off the right away, I, I knew that I wasn't going back. So um, and I just talked to my wife and kind of decided uh, where would be a good spot and uh, you know this being a a younger team here and uh, uh, kind of an organization that was losing a lot of forwards I felt like this was probably the best opportunity for me. You're able to connect I know your brother played here for a couple years you're able to connect with him at all and kind of talk to him about the organization and get his thoughts? Yeah yeah he was probably the first one that I talked to right away and you know he he liked his time here Um, I know he enjoyed it he liked the city so um, it was pretty easy decision. Let's rewind a little bit. Uh, speaking of your brother, you guys have got a very, uh, very hockey-heavy family. You know, there's four boys in the family. All you guys played um, at a pretty high level. Of course, your dad played as well. Um, played a, a little bit of pro hockey, uh, mm-hmm. it looks like, as well in the IHL. Um, 
Talk to us about growing up in the Blaine region, um, a very hockey-heavy region, especially kind of ingrained in the culture. But what was it like growing up in Blaine and in that Ham Lake region? It was uh, my dad actually coached all four boys. So um, there were points when I was 12 years old that we would go from uh, the youngest, which was Bryce's practice, would be at like four o'clock and then Eason's would be at six Michael's would be at eight and mine would be at like nine thirty, ten o'clock they'd always have the older boys practice later and he coached all of us so it was we were just on the ice the whole time and he would take all four boys the whole day so um you know he'd have the team in one end and he'd have the other three boys in the other end just shooting pucks and uh just messing around the far end trying to stay out of the way but um yeah it was, uh it's definitely a high hockey culture and um you know, with that too, my mom and dad actually opened up a hockey store when I was younger. Um, so I worked at that my entire life. I sharpened my own skates. Um, all four boys worked there. So, uh, and then now my dad, they, uh, they just sold it to pure hockey. So he's the manager there now in, uh, in Blaine. And then my mom actually, uh, runs the whole, uh, super Inc in Minnesota. Wow. I mean, so that's, that's, you talk about a hockey rich community. You guys are obviously a hockey rich family. Um, we mentioned the brothers, of course, Micah draft pick of the sharks. Um, you've got two other brothers, Easton and Bryce, as you alluded to, um, Bryce, a, a draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, correct? Yep. He's in his freshman season at, freshman at Minnesota. Season Minnesota. So yep. you went to St. Cloud. We've talked about it before. Your dad started at Minnesota. Then he finished up at St. Cloud. Of course, Mike went to Minnesota. You've got Bryce going to Minnesota. You went to St. Cloud. Easton went to St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the decision and how you ended up uh, at St. Cloud compared to maybe going the other route and being a gopher. I was actually almost 100% going to commit to uh, Maine at the point. Um, I was in my uh, in juniors in Fargo. I wasn't having a good year. I think I only finished with like 22 points. Um, went out of high school. Um, I had a good senior year of high school. Um, going into junior, I had pretty high expectations of um, what I could do the next year in Fargo. Um, didn't have a great year, um, but Maine was still high high on me right away. Um, so right off the bat, I was like, okay, well, this is going to happen. I'm going to Maine. And then uh, very late, Bob Moscow came, talked to me, and uh, it was kind of history from there. It was, uh, that was kind of the main school that I wanted to go to. My dad went there. He loved it there. He loved uh, Bob as a coach. or as a He actually played with him, and he's a player coach there. Um, so he loved it, uh, loved his time there. So it was a very easy decision for me. How does dad split his time, right? If you get St. Cloud and Minnesota going head to head, who's he who's he rooting for? I, I think he's St. Cloud. He's uh, he he. Uh, I don't know if he really likes the Gophers that much. He's uh, <laughs> he's a Husky for sure. Well, he was here the other day. He had his Minnesota jacket on with the you know, Brodzinski name on the sleeve. So I think he's putting on a front. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> um, you just showed us a picture, kind of funny uh, picture. When you were 18, you had the long flow, and, yeah. and you mentioned you played high school hockey in Minnesota. You know, Barstool always shares it, but there's this great YouTube video. This guy kind of voices all, it all over. Hockey it's hair the team. all hockey hair team. It's mm-hmm. the most incredible video. Um, what was it like playing, you know, or high school hockey in the state of Minnesota? Where I mean, it's as big. I mean, I think it's the equivalent, I guess, of high school football, maybe the state of Texas. Texas in terms of how big it gets you guys have the big tournament yep. what was that experience like it's crazy I, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to go um, all three years that I played varsity um, so just the it's there's nothing like it when you're that young and all of a sudden you're going to the XL and you're playing in front of literally a packed packed XL so it's it's 
there's nothing to compare to it. I, uh, you know, being that young and just seeing that many fans, you're going out for warmups and it's just packed and you don't know what to do. Um, we had a very good team. My, uh, my freshman or my sophomore year, sorry, we, we had a pretty good run at it, but ended up not, not winning it. But, um, yeah, making it all three years, it was, uh, it's pretty crazy. Any of the Brodzinski boys make the all hair team? No, no, none of the Brodzinski boys. We actually all, when we were in high school, uh, pretty much all of us had, uh, short hair until college. And then all the Brodzinski boys started growing out their hair. Was that ever a, a conversation in the locker room in high school? Did were guys like purposely, I mean, growing out the hair and was that a conversation? That was like my, my senior year. I think the year after that is when that guy started doing the videos of it. And then, uh, like going into that, it was like, okay, we're, we're going to actually try and get on the all, all hockey hair team. And, uh, but I think before that, there was guys that were like dyeing their hair for the state tournament and stuff like that. Like that's always been a thing. Um, you guys going like bleach blonde and going like all black. So like it's always been a thing. But I think since he has been doing this, I think guys start going a little bit crazier with the mullets and the the shaves uh, lines in the side of their head mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of taken a life its own. Um, you know, you mentioned playing at the XL uh, Energy Center where the Minnesota Wild play. You know, the Wild came back in 97. Um, I'm sure you were pretty young at the time, maybe five, six years old, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even younger than that. But what did, who did you grow up uh, kind of rooting for? That was kind of a limbo era in, in a sense in Minnesota just because there wasn't an NHL team there for so long. Right. I was, uh, I was actually a Colorado Avalanche fan for like, for all I can remember. And then, uh, you know, kind of uh, when I hit like 16, 17, started going to a lot more Wild games. Um, Mark Parrish was actually my favorite player growing up. Um, and then he ended up being, a, uh, one of the commentators for, uh, St. Cloud state hockey. So it's funny how that worked out, but, um, it had his Jersey up on my wall. That was, uh, I, I liked the wild growing up for sure. And then it was, uh, obviously go for hockey too. Cause that's, uh, that was huge growing up with, uh, you know, Leopold, all those old players that were great college players. And, uh, I feel like that's the two like main teams in Minnesota. You know, growing up young kids, it's uh, go for uh, go for hockey and then Minnesota Wild hockey. So thank you very much to Johnny. Some really fun insight uh, on the uh, the family dynamic of the Brodzinski's, all four boys, them growing up playing in the basement, their dad coaching all four teams, and now all of them playing Division One hockey. Pretty impressive stuff. So again, thank you to Johnny. We'll have the second part of that interview coming up next week for next week's podcast. But for now, we say have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon.